Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back again to the program, and I really trust that you're following us in this series because we are going to the deep end of the pool in this series. We're going to talk a lot from the book of Revelation and connect some dots from the Old Testament through the New Testament. What I think so many do not realize is this is a covenant journey of God showing us the whole story of Israel and the whole story of humanity to, through the different stages it walks through until it finds its redemption and new creation. Last week we ended this uh, by talking about the return of exile from Babylon, uh, from Ezra, Nehemiah, and we talked, this is where we, we've been in this series from Ezra, Nehemiah, talking about a roadmap to Reformation. And what we're showing you is that how these chapters connect to when Jesus came on the scene. There was some powerful things that happened by picture, type and shadow of a restored city and a restored temple that find a greater fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ in restoring His temple and in restoring His city and restoring His Sabbath, which is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we started connecting dots of how that was. And last week especially, we ended by starting by showing you that that was a return from a natural Babylonian captivity. But in Revelation, there's a return from an old covenant confusion, harlot, harlotry, a return from whoredoms back to a commitment to your real husband, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we started talking last week about how this Babylon could only connect to natural Jerusalem. And one of the main things that we did, let me just, just start here and not rehearse too much. I will just say very briefly, if you missed any of these, it is very important that you go back and watch the YouTube videos because I have laid groundwork for now about 10 weeks on this. And you can go to our YouTube channel and watch these videos on demand, or you can also uh, use go to the podcast, listen to the audio portions of this, or to an RSS feed and hear the audio portions while you're mowing, you're on your car. I love this stuff that's audio because you can do it when you're driving down the road. But if you want to do that, the easiest way is just to go to our website, and as you get to the website on the upper right-hand corner, there are icons for YouTube, for iTunes, and for the RSS feed, the Android, where you can get this. But I'm jumping back in here, trusting that you've seen some of the things I've said before. But he starts talking about uh, the great harlot. Let me just let me let me work on this a little bit. It says, verse one, then one of this is Revelation, the 17th chapter, reading from New King James Version. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet-colored beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in, in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication on her head, forehead a name was written, 
Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great admiration. Now let me just uh, stop here for a moment and, and, and review just a little bit. We went back to Matthew chapter 23, and we showed you how Jesus says to the scribes Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Uh, you are witness against yourself that you are the children of those that killed the prophets and stoned them that are sent to you. And he tells them that upon that generation, that first century generation, that upon all of them, that the first century that Jesus was talking to, would come the blood of all the martyrs from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, who was also one of the prophets that prophesied concerning the restoration of the temple and the city under Ezra and Nehemiah. But they were pointing towards even a greater fulfillment that would take place only under King Jesus. And Jesus is giving them the final warning and saying to them, all the blood of the prophets that you've slain, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zacharias, is going to come upon this generation. The Gospel of Luke grabs the Olivet Discourse, and Jesus declares this, that these are the days of vengeance, that all things which were spoken might be fulfilled. That happened in A.D. 70. There's a lot of stuff that people think is coming in the future, that if they would simply read the context and follow the proper hermeneutics would see the historic context of these things are not in our future, they are in our past. Now, uh, what, you know, uh, 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 the fulfillment of this passing away of this, the, the book of Revelation. I, I, I put a few things in, in Revelation, this is in my notes, uh, uh, the, uh, the book of Revelation is a series of contrasts. It's a contrast between a lamb and a dragon a father's name and the beast's name in their foreheads. It's, it's a bride versus a harlot. It's also a contrast of two cities, a tale of two cities, Babylon and New Jerusalem. The latter, of course, the New Jerusalem as the church, and the earthly Jerusalem is clearly in view in the early chapters. And it is talking about a change of two covenants, an old covenant, a new covenant. A bride, a harlot. A city, Babylon, and New Jerusalem. Mark of the beast, the seal of God in their foreheads. In other words, it's just it's, it's a contrast, and it's not that confusing if we can stay in the context of actually being said here. And so as I, as I begin to look at this, it gets clear to me that this harlot he's speaking about here, remember now, that the book of Revelation, when it opens, is written to seven churches that are really in Asia. So it has to have some relevance to a first century church. And then he writes in Revelation chapter 1, he said, these things are about to shortly come to pass. Not 2,000 years and counting, but shortly come to pass. I personally believe that John, in his gospel, did not write an Olivet Discourse, which is the same as Matthew 24 or Luke 17 and 18. 
I believe the book of Revelation is a much more expanded view, and it is John's view of the Olivet Discourse, where there's wars, rumors of wars, and the powers of the heaven being shaken, and, and when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, know that it's near even at the door. The desolation is near, and God was about to do that, Revelation 17. He's talking about this harlot who will not repent of her ungodly deeds which she had ungodly committed. Now let me just go down through here and just show you some more parallels. He said, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. I'm going to have one of my team get my chart ready on the Caesars because I want to show you something here in just a few moments about the Caesars. He said, I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And they, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also, this is the part I want to get to, there are also seven kings. Five of them have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going into perdition. The ten horns which you saw were ten kings who have, not, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour, as kings with the beast, these are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Then he said to me, The waters that you saw where the harlot sets are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the, the harlot and make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now let me just stop for a moment and tell you first of all that this woman, He's given you the, uh, the mystery of who she is. I've already shared with you how that this harlot woman is the one who's drunk with all of the blood of the saints. She's also called a harlot. Now let me just, uh, there's so many things here that I want to say to you, but let me just uh, grab a few things uh, out of this. Uh, first of all, I, I, I'll just, I want to tell you first of all that uh, the prophet Ezekiel, let me just give you a few references for, for harlot, because if this only fits, this only fits with natural Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 16, there is compelling evidence that Jerusalem is the harlot here. Here are some excerpts. Here are some excerpts. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 said, And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and thou hast said, chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, And comest in with an excellent adornment. Breast have been formed, and thy hair hath grown, and thou naked and bare, and I pass over thee, and I see thee, and to, and lo, the time is a time of loves. And Ezekiel 16, verse 15, And thou dost trust in thy beauty, and goest a-whoring because of thy renown, and dost pour out thy whoredoms on every passerby. 
to, uh, to him it is, and, and dost thou take of thy garments, and dost thou make to these spotted high places, and dost go a-whoring upon them. They are not coming in, nor shall it be, and thou dost take thy beauteous vessels of my gold and my silver and, that I gave to thee, and dost make to the images of male, and goest a-whoring with them. And dost take the garments of thine embroidery, and dost cover them, and my oil and my perfume hast thou set before them. Uh, he goes on to say in Ezekiel 16:20, And thou dost take thy sons and thy daughters whom thou hast borne to me, and dost sacrifice to them, uh, to them for food. It is a little thing because of thy whoredoms. Ezekiel 16, the whole chapter is full of them, and with all thine abominations and thine whoredoms. He just, I, I could, uh, he, he, all through, I mean, 40 um, some verses of Ezekiel, he talks about them being a harlot system, and he's talking about natural Jerusalem. He says in verse 41, And burnt thy houses with fire, and done thee judgments before thy eyes of many women, and I have caused thee to cease from going a whoring, and also a gift thou givest no more. Uh, the evidence, uh, you know, here, here's some, here's, here's, here's uh, Jeremiah chapter number 31, verse 32. Jeremiah was prophesying also during the time uh, of the f carrying away of uh, Israel by the Babylonians and said to her in uh, Jeremiah 31, 32, and God said he was an husband to Israel. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 8 through 14, and in Isaiah 50, verse 1, God states that He was married to Israel and gave Israel a bill of divorcement because Israel committed adultery. This occurred in 721 B.C. Jesus said in verse number, uh, or Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 31, It hath been said, whoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. That's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. But I say unto you that whosoever put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever shall be married to her is that's divorced commits adultery. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 through 32. God said that the only just reason for divorcing your wife was on the ground of unfaithfulness. Also that our I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time He uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through His name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that He is the Great I Am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today written notice of divorce must be given. Would God not abide by His own laws? Prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, God served Israel her divorce payments, and this allowed for a new bride. And that's why you see in Revelation chapter 21, when old Israel, old Jerusalem was destroyed 70 A.D., so then so when should the new Jerusalem have been established as well? It should have been in 70 A.D. Aren't the followers of Christ now the bride of Christ? Yes.
721 B.C., God divorced Himself from adulterous harlot wife and gave to His Son a new bride. That's us. Now let me just say something else as well. I mean, I could give you all kinds of overwhelming evidence that this woman in Revelation is a harlot. But uh, one of the things I want you to see is that she says in the book of Revelation, I set as a queen and I am not a widow. What she does is refuses to reckon the fact that she killed her very own husband and is now a widow. As a matter of fact, when she stands before Caiaphas, uh, and or not Caiaphas, but uh, when, when Jesus is standing before Pilate and he said, this is your king. Do you want me to crucify your king? This is the statement they made that put the nail in their proverbial coffin. We have no king but Caesar. So they denied that Jesus was their king, and they denied their Messiah, they denied their king. It was the final nail in the proverbial coffin. They, Israel and the Romans killed her first husband. And Romans 7 says, that once the first husband is dead, we're free to be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. And that one who is raised, Romans chapter 7, verse 4, that we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. So old covenant Israel passed off the scene, new covenant Israel, which is the church of the living God, the new Jerusalem came on the scene, and we got married a long time ago. It's a tale of two cities. I shared with you prior to this in Galatians how that there are two cities. We may go back and take a look at them in just a moment, uh, possibly. But I want to show you that our Reformation and our restoration is moving from an old covenant Babylonian Judaistic system into a new covenant, new temple, new Jerusalem, everything being made new and coming into new creation. Man, I'm so overwhelmed with re revelation that's flowing to me that I want to just put it out here, but 20-some minutes is not very long to try to put this on the table. But I trust that you're following what I'm saying to you here. And so as you begin to look at this, you see things like she killed her first husband. And I'm going to give you some more things in a moment, but what I want you to see is that this woman also sits on a scarlet-collared beast. It is not uh, the Romans, when they came into the city, they literally were wearing red. Also, Nero was famous for his red beard. Uh, it, the, the, the robes worn by the Roman emperors were red in color. Rome, led by Nero, was responsible for the shedding much blood among God's people. Nero was famous for his red beard. So this woman sets on a scarlet-colored beast. And she comes in, and she's the mother of harlots. Now, I, I believe there's a lot of harlot systems. I believe religion is still a harlot. Because in God's viewpoint, religion is what we substitute for relationship with Him. It's the other woman. God still hates religion. But the mother of harlots that's talked here is, I believe, apostate Israel. Let me go ahead and show you this, since I've got this up, up on the screen, because this connects it even further. The woman rides on a scarlet-colored beast. That scarlet-colored beast was the Roman beast. Now he goes on to say, and this is, I think, so important. Verse 9, here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sets. I could tell you that, again, that's talking about Jerusalem. Maybe I can come back and get this a little bit, because there are seven mountains that Jerusalem sets on. There are seven kings. 
Five have fallen, one is and the other is not yet come, and when he comes he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going into perdition. Now let me just tell you that if we go back and we set this context again to when the Romans came and destroyed the city, I could take you back to Daniel chapter 2 and show you that when God showed Daniel again the progression of these kingdoms and what would take place. He said, King of Babylon, you're the head of gold. After you's going to rise another. The Medes and the Persians under Darius, that's the ones that these, the Persian kings are the ones that gave the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem under Ezra and Nehemiah. After them would arise Alexander the Great and the Greeks would come. But then the fourth kingdom, the fourth empire, which would be, he tells these, this fourth empire would be Rome. It was the Romans who came to destroy the city, and to make war with the Lamb. But the Lamb would ultimately overcome them, not with a physical sword, but with the sword of His mouth. And the gospel would literally turn even Rome upside down before it was over. But he says, this is, helps me set the context again. This to me is so powerful. He said, here's the mind that has wisdom. He said, there are five, there are seven kings. Five of them have fallen. If you go back and you look in the Julio-Claudian line of Caesars, there was, from Julius Caesar in 49 to 44 B.C. to Augustus in 27, that's uh, 27 B.C. to A.D. 14. It was during this season that there went out a decree from Caesar, Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. That's when Jesus comes on the scene. And there was at that city at the same time shepherds watching their flocks by night. After Augustus, there was uh, the next one, the next Caesar was Tiberius. After uh, Tiberius was Caligula, and then uh, the fifth king was Claudius. That was the fifth one. And Claudius uh, then, of course, had a son that was, uh, had uh, epilepsy, and so because he could not rule, Nero, who was uh, of the Julian, Claudian line of Caesars, uh, uh, became the king. And there were five, when, when Nero Caesar comes on the scene, five kings have fallen, Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Caesar Tiberius, Caesar Caligula, Caesar Clausius, and then five had fallen and one is Nero. Nero was the sixth king in the number of, 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 of Caesars in the Julian Claudian line of emperors. He was the one on the scene at the time that the apostle John is talking about Revelation. He said, here's the mind that has wisdom. There are five kings that fallen. The one that is is the sixth. This one, King Nero Caesar, Lucius Caesar, was the king who was in power during this time. Caesar did more persecuting of the, of the Christians than any man on the planet. This guy was a psychopath. He dressed up. He had a weird red beard, and he was, uh, he was I think, the one even who had, he, he had uh, martyred many of the saints. He would literally take their bodies and put them on uh, stakes and use them for candles in his gardens. He dressed it up like an animal. This man murdered his own mother. He murdered his own brother. He, uh, his name, get this, Nero's name has a numerical value of 666, and he is the sixth in the line of Caesars. He's the beast. We keep on waiting on a beast to come, but what we don't know, you can look some of this up in Wikipedia. 
that Nero's name has a numerical value of 666. He believed himself to be a god. He put the image of his own, uh, and, and, and uh, on, on the coins was the image of Caesar as a god, called himself the son of God, and literally set up a statue of himself at Agora and forced the people to worship the image of the beast. This was historic stuff, folks. They would burn incense to this man whose name had a numerical value of 666. Then they would take the ashes and put it on their hand or on their forehead, and then they would give him a writing of a libellus or a paphras that without this writing they could not buy or sell in the marketplace, that they could not use the temple coin, they had to use the Roman coin which had the emperor and the name of their god, that without it they could not buy or sell without worshiping this beast or his image or the number of his name. And this was especially difficult for Christians because even though there was some protection for Jews because of their covenant with Rome that the, that the true Jews didn't have to bow to any other god, they, they, they were no longer covered with Christians because they did not stay under that covenant. They were free from that covenant, so they forced the Christians to try to bow the knee, and that's why they burnt many of them. Caesar set the city of Rome on fire, and uh, and blamed the Christians, and there was a great upheaval, and they started to, to persecute the Christians, drive them out. Let me tell you, in her was found the blood of all that were slain on the earth. But I want to say this to you because I think it's very important because we are living in a season right now when everybody's upset about a vaccine. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting you take a vaccine or don't take a vaccine. Uh, that's your prerogative, what you feel, whether you're freedom. I don't think you should be forced to do anything. But the basis of not taking it on the basis of the fact that you think there's a chip in it that will be the mark of the beast is absolutely absurd to me. Because, they can, first of all, you cannot sneak the mark of the beast on somebody. It has to involve worship and the denial of the faith in your God in order to do that. They cannot do, they cannot force you. Uh, in other words, you can't all of a sudden wake up one day and, oh my God, I've taken the mark of the beast. You have to willingly uh, do that. But see, that's not even in our, that, that's not in our future. That is in our past. That ought to be incredibly good news to somebody. And just to, just, just just think about this a moment. Even if I believe dispensational theology like a lot of people are teaching it, there is no temple in the Middle East for the man of sin to come to. Thessalonians said, the man of sin will set in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There is no temple in the Middle East. And I know they're tr trying to think about restoring one, and everybody's confused about who's going to live in it. But the bottom line is, God is not interested in a building made from hands. He moved out of the natural building and into the spiritual building. What do you not know? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Paul quotes that from Ezekiel 37, where a lot of people get a text for the restoring of a, of a physical temple. When Paul was not talking about a physical temple, he was talking about a spiritual temple built out of lively stones that are fitly framed together to build a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now once uh, Nero was crucified, go ahead and bring up the next screen uh, if you would. I think we need to, about, we're about to run out of time, but uh, but when Nero uh, was on the scene, and, and uh, literally there was four kings that came, there was several, that was called the year of several emperors, because right after that there was these emperors that came on the scene, Galba, Otho, Vitellus, but under Vespasian, the empire found a miraculous uh, a reinsurgence, and he was the beast that had the wound that was healed, and under Vespasian he began a whole new dynasty of the Vespasian line of rulers. 
And so he ruled for a solid 10 years and Rome enjoyed a real revival under that until, until the gospel ultimately permeated that. We're out of time. Uh, I trust that's been a blessing to you. You need to share this with your friends on your Facebook page. If you'd like to sow an offering, easiest way to do this, go to my website at lenhouse.com and give via credit card or PayPal or call the number on the screen or write a check or money order and send it to the address that will come on the screen. Thank you for joining us again this week. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.